This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pipus, ASHI Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Shane McClendon from ShaneTheHomeBuilder.com. Jeff Simmons from Houseworks is out this week. If you want to join the conversation with us this morning uh, with your home improvement questions, call us at 877 877- MPB ring. That's 877-672-7464 or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. How are you guys doing today? I'm enjoying the air condition here. Yeah, are it's you? good. To, it's yeah. it's actually really good and I got an indoor project that I got up into. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, so I try to find those in uh, the <laughs> Actually, uh, actually I had a situation. What was the project? Well, You know how you're tricking along and you got your kind of your day planned out Mm -hmm. and then something just presents itself and you're like, well, now everything else has been derailed. Right. (laughs) I have to deal with this. That's how procrastination works. Well, golly, man. So what was it? Well, and then I had to accept some responsibility. You know, at first I wanted to be victimized by this whole situation. And then I realized, you know what, Pam, you're kind of responsible. So... (laughs) Just to put it bluntly, my cat used my dryer as a litter box. Uh, I've heard of that before. Yeah, and it was my fault because I don't like my house to smell like a litter box. And so I cover it, Uh and I forgot to uncover it whenever I locked the cats inside because we've been having cat fights in the neighborhood. So I got up the next morning, and I was like, well, hello, here goes this day. Right. So I started first, you know, we remove all of the laundry very carefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, thank God I didn't turn it on. So right. I pulled all the laundry out and then I started. I thought I better check and make sure nothing got down in that uh, in the uh, filter. Mm-hmm. So I pulled the filter out and I'm looking down. I got a flashlight and uh-huh. I'm in a front load dryer. OK, so are they all front load? No. Yeah, they are. Dryers are. You always put your dryers. I think to, so. Yeah, you don't put it from the top. You always. Yeah. Well, so your filter. Make something, but. Yeah, your filter's at the bottom. Okay. Of mm-hmm. the. So I pulled that filter out and I looked down in there and it was clogged. Now we've talked about keeping your dryer vent mm-hmm. cleaned out, and I promise, folks, I, I promise that I check that line all the time. From the outside, I'll get my flashlight, you know, and mm-hmm. look. And the vent was crystal clear. But what had happened through the years, and I've had this dryer over 10 years at this point. I, I recently replaced my washing machine, but I've had the dryer. But on a front-loading dryer, and this is a big commercial type thing because I do have a lot of pets. And so mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. doing laundry all the time. I don't have kids. I got pets. Right. So... <laughs> Pulled that filter out. And I mean, it was like a glob underneath there. So then I had to try to unscrew the filter cavity thing. Uh-huh. Okay, the little doohickey. So I'm like got my head up in the dryer right. <laughs> looking, looking backwards and unscrewing it so that I can get my vacuum cleaner head down in there to try to get it out. Right. It was a situation. 
It took me all day. And finally, what I figured out I had to do, and this is why my back hurts so much today, because I got my head in the dryer, is I ended up, I had to get a stick and put it down underneath that where that filter goes mm-hmm. and dig the lint out. Yummy. It, oh, it was just crazy. And I'm like, you right. know, I talk about this all the time on the show, about making sure your house doesn't burn down because your dryer vent is you know, cleaned out, and I'm living with one. So really, the moral of the story is I need to thank the cat for using the dryer as a litter box. (laughs) I was going to say, only you would tie that together. Right. (laughs) That's a long way around to thank a cat. Yeah, I was like, thank you, Buddha, for (laughs) pooping in there, because now I got it all cleaned out. (laughs) All right, Catherine's on the line in Columbus, has a question, even coming into the show, before we even got in here, good. So what's going on, Catherine? Well, speaking of cats, I have a follow-up to your conversation last week about the merits of a round doorknob as opposed to a lever handle. Oh, yes. Yes. If you've ever seen a cat try to open a door. Oh, my and- gosh, the lever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll, they'll, hey, listen, I have a buddy up in Canada who has levers on his cabin that's on, you know way out, and I go visit there every year, and a bear got in. No way. Yeah, and yeah it, up it scraped down, and he came back from being gone for a while, and his kitchen was demolished because a black bear had gotten into his kitchen with that lever. So if you're going to have a lever, you might want to make sure they're locked. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow, that's crazy. Catherine, uh, uh, so do you have the knobs for that thing in particular? Well, no. I, I moved into a house that had antique hardware and I wasn't going to change it out, but right. it's really funny to see a cat who doesn't have very long toes wrap its front paws around a round doorknob and try to turn it. Right. And they get so frustrated. I mean, he'll chin himself. <laughs> on, he'll, his hind feet will be dangling <laughs> off the ground as he's trying to turn that round doorknob. And right. He's Bad determined at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he has so. the same uh, the the same persistence with trying to catch a mouse. I, I don't know. You know, my dog, I'm starting to think, can pick a lock. I mean, I mean, it's just, he's amazing. Anyway, craziness. Was that your uh, comment, Catherine? Yes, that is. All right. Well, oh, I have. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you calling in today. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. It's 877 877-672-7464. Almost never get that right. Okay, we got a question here from online. What are the most durable wood laminate flooring options for lots of kids and dog traffic? From Brian in Oxford. LVT, luxury vinyl planks. LVT, luxury vinyl planks. Tell me about that. I don't, I don't know what you mean. Well, you got the wood grain look. It's the, the surface of its vinyl. It's very durable. You can mop it. Dogs can pee on it. You can wipe it right up. As opposed to like with wood or something and polyurethane, right. you know, it get damaged by uric acid or um, or just, you know, too much pressure right. from the dog's nails and stuff like that. But uh, that, that LVT, man, we've, we've, you know, it doesn't have that old hollow sound. You know, like when you remember right. when the stuff first came out, the floating floors, they yeah. had that really weird hollow tap. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. They don't have that at all and okay. these can stand the water more yes and there's a lock like they snap in yeah you're yeah you'd have to flood the floor to get water underneath it underneath yeah, that's it, yeah. that's interesting you know when when i did my floor 
And this was probably in 2012, 2013, something like that, when I did my floor because of all the traffic, kids and dogs and everything else, we went with that uh, wood-looking tile mm-hmm. uh, that was hot for about 20 minutes. Right. But, but And we've still got that down. And the reason why we put it down was it was tile. I mean, man, if you need to hose it out. You yeah, know, you can't. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole. Well, point. the LVT right. pretty much can now. Does yeah. that do, do that? the same thing with that? Yeah. yeah. See, when I put this down, I didn't know of LVT at the time. The only thing we had was was uh, the Pergo type wood. Right. And and I used that one time before and had a little uh, kind of toilet spill. Mm-hmm. And it, that's it. it. Got puffy. That's the, that's the yeah. end of that floor. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's over. It'll so, delaminate if it gets wet. Yeah. The the wood tile was. Um, hot for a minute but then you know with the grout lines and everything right, else right. that's where everybody kind of went away from that right um and your labor is a lot cheaper to lay on the the luxury vinyl planks and stuff than tile really mm-hmm. yeah tile you're looking at uh anywhere from 350 to on up to five dollars a foot to, uh-huh. you know with things pending right um and you know you're looking at somewhere around 150 to two dollars a foot you know with the uh with the vinyl planks really mm-hmm. okay and you can don't you think that's a diy project as well yeah, it's it's much more of a DIY project than tile, tile would be. Is. Absolutely, yeah. yes, because they lock together. You know, a tile you're putting it under on a bed of thin set, right? And if you don't know what you're doing or not paying attention or have those you know leveling spacers, right. you can get a lot of toe kicks and trip hazards really easy. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got that in mind. Now, the one thing I will throw out and caution, and a tile will do it too, is that when it gets wet, it's slippery. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. You coming down. Yeah. <laughs> well, different, that, different tiles will have a different uh, static coefficient of friction, and so will the uh, vinyl planks as well, too. I can tell you, I know my, my German Shepherd, who has very furry paws, cannot go at a bad angle on that oh, tile, yeah. or he's mm-hmm. going down. She's mm-hmm. going down. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. All right, Liz is on the line in uh, Moselle. And what's going on, Liz? Uh, hi, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Um, I've got a, a question about my uh, replacing my propane gas hot water heater. Okay. Uh, I I busted my gut for three days in a row trying to fix my old one, and I the two days before that I spent looking at all the YouTube videos, and I just I uh, you know it it, it was hopeless. And shoot. <laughs> You'll laugh at me for trying to fix it. It's 14 years old. So We're not uh, laughing at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something I'd do. I'd get up in it and try to fix it, and then I'd probably wipe my hands and go, okay, time for a new one. Right. So what happened, yeah, Liz? Yeah. What, what ended up happening? Oh, well, well it, 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 I couldn't fix it. Long story. No bother. No, not worth getting into. But, um... I'm I'm thinking of uh, I've got two choices. I found uh, a tankless one from Northern Tool for just five hundred ninety nine dollars. Where where did you say you found this? Northern Tool. Did it have a brand on the side of the box? Oh lordy, yeah, but it's it's I've got it on the computer, and if I go in the house. The phone will cut off. Okay, well then, don't do that. No, but I was just but, curious. But, yeah, but if, if if you want to go digging around, just uh, look up uh, propane tankless hot water heaters from Northern Tool. You'll, you'll find it. Five hundred and ninety nine dollars. Now uh, it 
doesn't look like it will be hard to put in. I've got to do this myself, and I'm an old lady, and I'm bent. Uh, but it doesn't look like it should be hard. All the things look like they're going to fit. So should I buy that one, or should I get the one from Home Depot that's a tank type for 729 Well, uh, before, before we get into that, we're talking about a propane-powered tankless water heater, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And you said you found one at Northern Tool, yes. and, and you're not— uh-huh, for, for a price that you like. But let's talk about that real quick. Okay. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about anybody's products. But yeah, let's just talk about how the mechanics of it and everything work. Right. So when you have a tankless hot water heater, okay, those things put so much energy into that water that's traveling through the pipe instantly that they usually pull a lot more gas. So my first concern is, is the gas line going to the hot water heater large enough to supply it with the amount of gas it's going to need? Yeah. Secondly. It it, it, oh, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, that's fine. Go ahead. What were you saying? It's, it, it says it's a three-quarter uh, pipe thread uh, inlet and outlet. Yeah, right. but we're talking about the size of the gas line. Yeah, so, the gas line coming to it, if it's like a half inch or something, it's it's not going to work. And then if you have to run a longer whip or something like that or flex line to it, because typically when you what the plumber does is he sets the hot water heater in place and he pipes to it. So your inlet for your tank heater may be you know, low, low at the bottom as opposed to the tankless. You're going to set it up usually about waist height or something. And then so you're going to have to have a different type of pan to catch water from it. You're going to have to move your water lines, um, you know, hot and cold. And then your vent is going to be another issue. Most of them have they're either going to be like a PVC vent with high efficiency and it's going to be a condensating line, which then you're going to have to run a condensating line back from the water heater itself over to a drain line, you know, um, so that'll hook to your sewer. But then your vent going through the roof, some of them have stainless steel vents. Some of them will be PVC. I mean, there's, there's, there's a little bit more... There's a whole lot of stuff that goes into those things, and if you're not doing them right, you could mess something up. Well, and you could die because well. if you don't, I'm just going to be honest. That's something up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just not sure I would DIY yeah, trying I mean, to I'm, install something that is gas. Yeah. If if there were already a gas water heater, you know, an instant water heater or something in place, then, then maybe some of that stuff's already there. We're not talking about a whole lot of changeover, but it can be a large changeover going from a tank to a tankless. Yeah, and there are just so many because they use a lot of oxygen. Right. And if you're going to go to an interior installation, you have to accommodate for that. And I can't tell you how many times I go in retrofits in older houses where they go, oh, we're just going to go tankless. And the venting's not right. Right, right. And so what that'll do, if your vent isn't right, when you're burning a large amount of gas at one time, you get water. And that water, and to Shane's point, there should be a condensate line. And if that's not installed right, you're going to rust the inside of that unit out from the inside out. 
because you'll get so much water down in there. Right. Um, well, Liz, uh, I think you've got a good uh, idea of how this thing is going to work. The the only thing I'd like to throw in at the end is that although you seem to have selected one online, I would say please do shop this product. Uh, find a couple, maybe three different products, different brand names, and see what you come up with. You know, I rarely look at price. I want to look at the reviews. Well, I'm, I'm one. poor, Pam. I'm poor. Yeah, okay. but security lady. You could be poorer if you make a wrong decision. Right, you could you could be getting into an insurance claim here. Yeah. Um, and one other thing I forgot to think about uh, previously, you want to make sure that that water heater is sized properly for the house. For the house. So if if you're you know if you're a single lady, um, I don't know one bathroom, you know, a couple of you know kitchen appliances or something using water dishwasher sink, right? You know, washer dryer. You could probably get away with like a six gallon a minute something. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere in that range. If it's a larger house with more bathrooms, more people living in it, obviously you're going to have to bump it up seven, eight, ten. I think on some of the houses I've been doing, we've been using uh, the Navian brand, and um, I think a ten gallon, ten or eleven gallon is what I've been using. And I mean, those are like eleven or twelve hundred dollars. Okay. Um, which I mean, you know, in in the and looking at the price, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that significant to me, right? You know, of a bump going from six hundred to right. a ten or eleven hundred, you know, for a, mm-hmm. a trusted name brand and stuff like that. Right. So take a look at that, Liz, if you can. Uh, do 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 some shopping on that, and don't buy the cheapest thing you find if you can. No, because you'll end up buying another one in a couple of years. Right. All right. Um, do, do we need to take a break, Java, before we go and talk to Roger? But we will get back to you, Roger. It's time for us to take our first break of the hour. Today, we're helping with your summer projects, ways to keep your energy bill low during these summer months, and your home improvement questions. If you have any questions that you want to join in the show and ask, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and our guest host, Shane McClendon from ShaneTheHomeBuilder.com. Jeff Simmons from Houseworks is out this week. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.com. Dot org. All right, let's keep going. Roger is on the line in Florence. What's going on, Roger? Well, you got a wonderful program, and you really, I get a kick out of it. You're very entertaining and you're very useful information. One of your favorite subjects, I think, over the years has been gutters. Gutter, yeah. People call about oh, gutters great. a lot. We can talk about that today because Jeff's out. So right, my, right. my opinion wins. Right, today. yeah, because he's not here. <laughs> what was your question on gutters, Roger? Well, it's a comment. It's a comment. Okay. I, I've got a lot of experience bad with gutters, and I'm old now, and so I've had to promise my kids that I won't get up on ladders. Oh, good, Roger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not happy to hear it. <laughs> right. 
But uh, I, so I bit on one of these expensive ads. Now you could look in any paper or listen to TV for an hour, any right, and you will see a huge ad. Uh, I will, should I mention the name of this thing? No, you should not. <laughs> <laughs> I know which one you're talking about, though, Roger. Go ahead, because if you've got some experience with it, I'd love to hear it. Well, I think everybody should hear this and don't bite. Like I mean, I'm shoot, I'm educated and smart, had a nice career, military and otherwise. Thank you for your service. Thank you, but but uh, but I I couldn't get up on ladder. Well, I'm not supposed to get up on ladders anymore. Right. So now there are probably twenty different advertised gadgets and stuff that that supposedly keep your gutters from getting stopped up. Oh yes. And and none of them work. No. But you can but you can at least uh, well I don't know none of them work. Right. And I've tried several. So finally, I said, "Well, hey, man, this this looks really good," and uh, and they advertised, "Don't have to get up on ladders anymore." Oh, is this the curvy one? Well, it's flat. Oh, okay, it's not the long curvy stick. No, no, no. This is a flat uh, top. Oh, okay. For your gutters, and it's made out of good material uh-huh. and all that. And and the theory, <laughs> the theory and the claim and the advertising is that the leaves just slip right off of the thing, and the water goes through the grate, you know, through the, uh, through the top. Sure they do. If you yeah. live nowhere near a pine tree, you're fine. Right. Well, that's right. So if you live out in the desert, you know, then these just work yeah. great. Right. <laughs> but, For but the three times it rains. <laughs> yeah. If you don't live out in the desert, or you live anywhere near a tree, or especially under a lot of trees, then, of course, uh, you got leaves. And you do have to get up on a ladder because the leaves just stop on this uh, top. And eventually, here's the problem, eventually they pile up. Now, I've got a 12 and 12 pitch roof. Uh-oh. And I thought that the water rushing, I've seen it, rushing down that roof, there couldn't be a leaf that would stay. I knew pine needles might, but this gadget supposedly doesn't catch Pine needles. Well, okay. My, I have a 30-foot gutter. That's all I've got on one side of my steep pitch roof. And the only reason I have it is because the water would come rushing down and splatter on my deck right. and, and spatter up against the house. So I put a 30-foot gutter in. Well, okay. Here comes the guy. Uh, I guess I must have called. I don't know. Maybe I got... Anyway... And he talked me into this. Now, not only did they not put two drains, one in each end, as my written contract said, they only put one. Now, that, that's just a complaint. But they put this thing in, and this was back in the fall. <laughs> and, of course, I've had to get up with a rake and rake off my gutters many times because it just stacks up. And then the water, of course, backs up. Right. Which is what you're trying to avoid. I don't know what kind of damage I'll have, but uh, I do not, well, anyway, wh- whoever the listeners are and your friends, and especially your old folks like your earlier caller and me, I don't yeah. know if old, but these folks can be convinced, even smart people <clears throat> can be convinced by a good salesman and spend money. Don't spend it on a gutter gadget. You know what? I think um, your money may be better spent 
on a a uh, a landscaper um to well and i'm gonna let me let me address this because one of the things that roger said i think is really important what's that is i do not like uh rainwater coming off onto a deck right Mm -hmm. because of what's under that deck Mm -hmm. i can't tell you how many i've seen that have rotted out because you got water coming off there right also something that i heard roger say was that they put that guard on flat Mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to do that the guard should literally uh, come from beneath your shingle uh-huh. to the edge of the gutter. So it's got an angle on it. Right. And if you've got the angle on it, then those gu- then the leaves won't. So it sounds to me like it might have been an install problem. Um, and, and let me just make a suggestion. <clears throat> and I, I'm actually working with some clients now because we're dealing with some drainage issues. Right. And they got a bid on something. And my question was, do you have the specifications and how it is all going to be installed? And she said no. And I said, well, don't, don't do anything. You need to get those specifications, and I want to look at them and tell you if I think that's in line of, of the work that you need to have done. Right. So as a homeowner... What you want to do is make sure that whoever is giving you a bid on the work, that you look at that work and you feel like it's something that is in line with your expectation. And right. then you only pay them half. Don't pay them up front. Right. And then you see if it works, and then you finish paying. <laughs> well, one of, one of the things that, that – that I wanted to bring up is that, and we have brought it up on the show, I don't know how many times, is gutter guards of, of, of any sort, of any sort, are, are only so effective in especially Mississippi. They'll never be 100% effective. Um, and pine needles just frustrate every one of them. That just Well, there are actually some products out there that will work with a pine needle. But, right. You know, and Shane, let me draw you into this. What I normally see is that you've got a good product that's been installed wrong. So, and if it's not installed right, it ain't ever going to work right. Right. Shane, what do you think about the gutter guards thing? Man, you know, we've put them on and we've taken them off and <laughs> I'm, I'm almost, you know, you're almost better off using the money that uh, you paid for the gutter guards to just go hire a teenager to get on a ladder and clean them out. And well, them and out. that's when I, when we were coming out of this, and I thought, you know, my first thought is hiring a landscape company to do this, including cleaning the gutters. Right. Because as far as keeping stuff out of the gutters, depending on your home, where it is and what's around it, there may not be no way. Yeah. To keep stuff out of your gutters, and you, you know? don't, you just don't want to put up a gutter and think, "Oh, I've solved that problem." Done. Yeah, no. you've just created a whole new set of issues you right. got to take right. care of. Yeah, because I mean, I, I've seen it where people put in gutters and don't maintain them, and leaves back up in valleys and stuff like that. And then oh, I've seen getting, trees growing out of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you start getting rot and stuff like that in there, and then, like you said, the pine needles get in there, and leaves will get on top of them that will right. completely come off, and they start decaying, and they finally get in there. Right. You know, and I mean, it's there's just maintenance. To it, you yeah. Know, it's There's kind of like having a car, changing your oil. You know, you're going to have to right. have some maintenance. So, matter, no matter whether you have a gutter guard or not, there's yeah. going to have to be maintenance. So, right. Yeah. Right. You just with a, with a gutter guard, you probably not going to have like the huge clogs that get in your downspouts right. that people fight with. Right. That's probably the biggest. And and speaking to that is that if you've got a downspout that's going into a subsurface drain, 
and yeah. you don't have a guard up there, then you're yeah. clogging up what's it's I, what you right. don't see that's usually the problem. Right. I almost always talk people out of going with subsurface drains mm-hmm. because nobody cleans them out, and you're all you're doing <laughs> is taking one problem and then moving it to a subsurface problem, which is going to be even more difficult to clean. Right. So. I want to see my water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much, Tom. Let's keep on. Uh, or wait, say that was uh, Roger. That was Roger. Florence. Yeah. Let's let's go real quick to Tom and Brandon. What's going on, Tom? Hey. Hello. Uh, this is a question for Pam. Uh, last week, at the end of your show, you were talking about home inspections, and I'm curious to know uh, what you do about roof inspection i when i bought this home i had it inspected actually i had two inspections one was more for for foundation but they didn't apparently see anything wrong with the roof well when i had some maintenance uh re some boots put on some vents i realized that the roof was on there and what they did was i think they call it high nail so slowly my roof is migrating south uh over time and uh i just you know it didn't come up in the inspection so pam i just wonder i know you're not going to get up on a roof but uh, i just wonder how a home inspection is done with uh uh on a roof and and two i will say i do have a gutter guard on mine after uh many years of trying to climb ladders and i decided i shouldn't do it mine works fine except for a few spots where there's valleys in the roof and the pine straw does collect there But Mm -hmm. other than those few spots, uh, my downspouts are working great because they used to clog up all the time. Uh, So I I, I will say that after listening to the other. That's a good endorsement. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, thank you so much for the question. I was walking on a roof yesterday, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What we do as home inspectors is that we are going to inspect as long as it's not going to endanger us in any way. So what I do and what I've taught my inspectors to do is to put a ladder up on all four sides. And if I can't get on, like I'm not going to get on a 12-12. It's just, it's not safe. But if there is a way for me to take a look at that roof, either through windows or um, putting my ladder up so that I can see what's going on. And we specifically look at all the flashings. And then we'll look at the ridge because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll come in with, and I don't know what it's called, Shane, a ridge shingle on the edge, and they'll just nail it in without sealing the nails. So we're looking at that. We do look at metal to see if there are any dings in that that might be an indication of storm damage. And then we're following the you know, what you said about high nail and your roof is, you know, those shingles might be detaching. We try to follow those uh, shingle lines to make sure everything is in line. Because if it isn't, then you've probably got a loose shingle. And then the most important part, in my opinion, of a roof inspection is the attic. So I was in a pretty brand new house uh, the other day, and I was checking the decking. And sure enough, there were two nails between the deck. So they're not attached to anything. They're just sitting there in air. Well, if you don't take care of those two, they'll seal for a while. And then, mm-hmm. you know, once expand and contract, expand and contract. And then we're always looking at... It's been my experience that those nails exist only to scrape my head up when I go into oh, the Oh, well, yeah. Then there's that. And if you have gray hair like me, you always know where the blood's coming from. Right, yeah. <laughs> it shows up really clear. So, yeah, as home inspectors... 
Um, we will get on a roof if we can. Now, we don't get on metal roofs. I had one last week that was slate. But we were able Ooh. to see with our binoculars where some of that slate was coming loose, like right. the pins at the bottom that hold it in place. We were looking at that. Um, but, yeah, we, we're doing the best we can with, with tools we've got. And let me just say this. Keep in mind, we are general practitioners. Like I came across a situation yesterday in a home inspection, and I was looking, and I was scratching my chin. I was like, you know, something just doesn't look right here. So I made a couple of phone calls, and before you know it, I had the code inspector over there looking at it, and he was like, yeah, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) So we're trying to call people, but we're just general practitioners. We're looking for issues that might tell you that you got to go to an expert. Right. You know, we're not – I'm not going to try to diagnose – everything that's going on but i'm there for three or four hours i'm looking for as much as i can to let you know the condition of the house as i see it on that day and then and and we also do and i do a lot of these folks will have us come in to do an inspection because they've lived in the house four or five years or they're having a specific issue the one i did yesterday was with a fella who was having his his vents his air conditioning vents were sweating and there was mildew around it mm-hmm. and so i was trying to diagnose that specific um situation right, right. um so we do that but not in a general home inspection where right. you know we were there 3 hours right yeah. so well, I'll, i'd like to add something to the high nail thing so and in in like he was asking how much of an inspection i guess you can do can i can to, i ask a question before you sure. go into that what does that mean, high nail? All right, so you have your shingles are laminated. You have a strip that's above and a strip that you actually see. Uh-huh. The architectural part, you know, is cut in all different shape mm-hmm. and pretty things. That part is actually laminated to another piece of the shingle. Okay, you know, through tar or whatever. Right, you know, they it's a use heat process, some, yeah, yeah, some type of adhesive. Mm-hmm. So, and on that shingle, they'll have a line, uh-huh. and you're supposed to nail on that line to ensure that the nail goes through both layers. Oh, gotcha. So, if it doesn't go through both layers, and they quote high nail it through the heat of the summer and stuff that especially you see a lot on really steep roofs Uh those shingles actually start to slide apart and come apart so anyway um and you can tell it because of the coloration on it the different yeah right but sometimes the only way you can see if it's high nailed is if you start pulling shingles up Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna tell you right now as a builder if you go over and start pulling my shingles up i'm running your butt out of there Uh uh-huh you know because that's all i need is some inspector you know, qualified or, or whatever, I don't want anybody messing with the shingles because they tear one up. Right. Even if they're nice enough to say, hey, we tore up a shingle. Sorry. Right. right. You know, now I've got to get my roofer. I've got to get back over there and fix it, and it just costs me some because money. Because they adhere right. to each other. Right. They they should. There's a there's an adhesive strip at the base of the top shingle that is adhering to the shingle that it's sitting on top of. That's why you roof from the bottom up. Right. right? And if I start, what I'll do is um, I will put my thumb on the edge of that. And if I can raise it, right. then I know there's a problem because the wind's going to catch that right, yeah, and you're gonna flip have, it up. Right, right. But if it's adhered, I'm not prying that up. Yeah. Right. Shane's going to, I mean, he's going to get rid of me fast. Right. 
All right. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Thank you very much, Tom, for giving us a call. Uh, we, we've got a couple of more to get to, including uh, Sandra and Waynesboro. We're going to come back here in just a moment. Time for us to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about your home improvement questions and the best way to prepare for a renovation at your home. If you want to join today's show, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fix at 101 at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, Ashy Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Shane McClendon from ShaneTheHomeBuilder.com. And licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks is out this week. If you missed any of today's program, you can always listen back by podcast using any podcast app or our MPB public media app. Okay, Sandra's on the line in Waynesboro. She's been waiting for a minute. What's going on, Sandra? Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, my husband and I are thinking about, well, we're going to buy a split AC unit, you know, that hangs on the wall. Uh-huh, a mini uh, split? <clears throat> a mini split, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually doing it in a home that we're trying to renovate, and we're mm-hmm. wanting to know the feasibility of installing ourselves. Um, it's about a 1,000 square foot area, and we're wanting to buy a, a three-ton, but is that something that we can feasibly install ourselves, or do we have to get someone to do it for us? Uh, I will say, before the pros jump on this, you've already said a couple of things that make me feel like you probably should at least talk to someone first. One of the things was you said a certain amount of square footage, which was a 1,000, and three, like a lot. three ton would be a lot of air conditioning. You're going to short cycle it and have yourself a little mold farm. Yeah, so so definitely. Okay, so we need a smaller unit. Oh, yes. So first of all, the 1,000 square feet, is this just a wide open space, or is it we got we have rooms and stuff, or what? Okay, um, it's three rooms. It's a, a wide open space for the that we've uh, gutted on the inside for a big, living area okay. and then a, a very small kitchen and one bath okay so mini split hangs on the wall in the main area how are you going to get that conditioned air to those other three rooms they don't really blow around yeah. corners very well yeah you'll have to they use don't. fans oh really yeah, yeah. And, okay. uh, unless you do a mini split that has several splits i guess yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's only for one area at a time. And, and like, and like Shane said, it, it doesn't go around corners. It just conditions the area it touches. Right. And so the other thing is, I mean, why are you going with a mini split at a thousand square feet? I mean, I'm not just like 100% positive on my AC tonnage, okay. but doesn't that sound about like a two ton? I was going to say you could probably get away with a one and a one half. One and a half to two, yeah. yeah. Something yeah, like that. Something now, smaller. Now, also take in consideration your heat load, which I have no idea what that right. is. I don't know if we're talking about a metal building, a brick building, you no, know. It's, it's a 
it's a, a concrete block building that's been uh, uh, bricked also on the outside. Okay. Well, it was kind of just say a concrete block and it's sure. bricked up. Like CMU or um, something. Um, and and I, don't, I have no idea about your windows and doors, how many, if they're single pane, double pane, insulated. <laughs> There's a lot of things that go into that heat load calculation to make sure that you're okay. sizing it correctly. I will say that the thing that I was confused with when I first uh, started trying to understand AC is that, you know, when someone came to my house and my house was a little warm and I wanted more AC, I'm like, man, give me the 20 ton. I want the 50 ton. (laughs) You know, that's not the way it works. You can't just make it bigger and it work better. But since, since we're through that part, let's talk about now, actually, let's just say, you know, we've got that part figured out installing one yourself. Unless you have all the equipment, you know, to do that, because you're going to have to solder your, you know, sweat your lines in, silver solder and settling torch. Then you're going to have to have a machine to pull a vacuum. You're going to have to have all your gauges and everything, you know, and you're going to have to be able to get your hands on some, I guess, R410A. You're going to have to be licensed for that. Or you're going to have to hire a pro. I think you have an EPA card or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, to do that. Yeah, that's that's more of a question for my brother, really. But, um, But anyway, those are some of the technical aspects on that side of it. You're going to have to figure out as well. So I've been doing this a long time. I'm not fooling with it, me personally. I don't, I don't, I, I can, I can sweat copper lines together for water, feel 100% uh-huh. conf, confident with that. Right. But when you're talking about, you know, you know, sweating uh, copper lines, you know, together for AC work and stuff like that and pulling right. vacuums, that's not something I'm very comfortable with. Now, I have seen, Sandra, some advertisements recently for mini splits that you can install yourself. Um, I've seen that. I'm sure they have a system in which that is doable if they're advertising it for that. But I would really do my research there because the the important thing here is not is not to find a cheap air conditioning. It's to find one that works. So right. Um, well, we're not going necessarily for the price. It mm-hmm. was for because we only have two windows in this area, one in the kitchen and two in the front living area. Mm-hmm. And we really don't have, um, can't put a window air conditioner in. Right. Later. Yeah. That so does. we have, to, and the feasibility, the price-wise then of going with, this is a house that's never had central air and heat. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So we, we priced out going with a central air and heat, and it was just unbelievable, the price of what it would be. And that's the reason we were thinking about going with the I'm, I'm just curious. What was the price? Oh, about eight to $9,000. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, I mean no, that's about right, really. Okay. I mean, it, it to me, I mean, is it gas or electric or what? Um, For the... The central air and heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the heat part of it. It would have been. It would have been uh, electric. All okay. Yes, yeah, so, I mean the electric part of that. You know, can can kick the price up um, considerably okay. in some situations. Is this a conventional uh, home or or a, a, no, or a no, slab this, foundation? This is this is one that was uh, remodeled and built on to. Uh, it was originally an, an office building, kind of, and converted into a home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And okay. what are you using it for? Are you going to live in it, or is this a... Uh, no, it's, it's going to be it's going to be an office uh, for my husband. Uh, oh, okay. And, okay. And, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so going back to those three rooms, if those are just storage rooms of some sort, you know, mm-hmm. leave a small fan for air circulation, open the door. Yeah, the you're probably split okay. would work. Yeah. Yeah. In 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 that situation, you yeah. probably could. But well, I would still yeah. talk to somebody to make sure that that thing is getting sized properly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the three three ton is overkill. Oh gosh. Yes. yes. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna just tell you it is, especially if you've only got two windows. It'll come on once a day for thirty minutes, and then you'll be. Well, it's going to, and let me just tell you why, bigger is worse for air conditioning. It does, it short cycles. And what that means is that because the space is so small and the unit is so big that it cools it off too fast. Right. And the unit goes, oh, I'm done and turns off. Well, air conditioners are not refrigerators. What they're trying to do is condition the air and pull the moisture out. You've just told the unit that it's done its work when it hadn't done anything. Right. So that thermostat is just listening to the conditions that it's been given. I cannot tell you how many houses I've inspected where the unit is too big. All right. She nailed it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thank you very much. I hope that helps out, Sandra. We've got a couple of phones, uh, a couple of folks on the line waiting. So I'm going to keep on moving to Warren on the road. What's going on, Warren? Hello. Hey, Warren. What's up? Uh, I'm thinking on going solar, and I wanted to ask either one of the reps on the, the radio now if they know anything about it, and if they have to put it on a roof, because I have a huge backyard, and could that be installed there without having to uh, screw it onto the you don't, well, I'll say, number one, you, you you do not have to put something onto a roof. I mean, no. if it's your property. Now, I will say one thing. You're going to need to check your regulations for permitting on that and, and, and what is allowed if you're in an HOA or, you know, whatever right. you've got going on. But there's no rule that says you got to put it on your roof. Nope. I've seen yeah. a lot of people putting especially uh, folks out in the country are going with solar. Because they don't have, want to have to deal with power going out and all that kind of stuff. Right. And there are a couple of ways that you can approach that. You can do solar and have battery power so that you've got backup. So right. whenever there's a storm, you still have power. Or you can do instant, where you just got that panel and then you just have power when the sun's out. It works out. while the sun's out. Right. <laughs> but Mississippi Solar, weren't they on here? They were. Mississippi they were. Solar. I was going to try not to mention the name, but yeah. Well, they were he here. was on the show. <laughs> I mean, and to, to right, be yeah. honest, I think they're the only ones in, in town now that are doing residential. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I don't know anything about solar. If you, if yeah. you go uh, to our – we've got a podcast that we did in April with, uh, with, with the head of that company, and it was an entire uh, show, show on solar. So if you can go back and reference that, they, you know, you'll hear a lot of your questions answered there, Warren. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. All right, have a good one. Let's keep on moving. Henry's on the line in Meridian. What's going on, Henry? Hey, good morning. Good morning. I have a a gas hot water heater. Mm -hmm. Uh, When my pipe goes through the uh, inside ceiling, there's a gap all around it. Can I put some uh, uh, fire-retarded insulation around to fill that gap up? Are you talking about the gas line or the flu? The flu. No, you've got a. You can buy an approved metal sleeve. Yeah, that's what we normally do. They they sell them at Home Depot or Lowe's. You can put it around there mm-hmm. to cover up I that gap. Yeah, I looked at those, but that means I have to take the pipe down, put the sleeve on it, and then right. put it back. Right. Is there a way? Can you can you can you cut the sleeve and put it around? I guess you 
could. You probably could. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. I would. I'd just take like a pair of wires, wire cutters. I mean, yeah. Not wire cutters, but um, uh, metal shears or something. Right. Slice. I wouldn't grind it off or nothing. Right. But yeah, you could probably do that. Just be careful. Yeah. And my concern about the fire grade caulk is that all that is is a fire retardant. It's really not meant for uh, application around a hot flu. And okay. we see these, what you may run into because you're using that water heater, that flu, and I, personal experience, folks, those son of a guns get hot. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's so, a flu. Yeah. So when you're burning that gas, the carbon monoxide of the water, that's what we're trying to do is get it out. And if you put something that's not approved around that thing, then you're going to affect how you're getting that draft out. And if it's on the inside of your house and you end up with a backdraft of carbon monoxide, now you got a situation. So, yeah. And then also, if you put that up, I'm envisioning putting a fire-grade caulk, and I've used that stuff. I use it quite a bit, or I did when I was renovating my house. But I used it to seal kind of my air drafts between, you know, the living area and the attic. Mm. But if you put that around a hot flue, I'm thinking it's going to start to melt. And it's just going to drip down that bubble. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to look at the ATSM specifications and stuff like that to see, you know, if it's even rated for something like that. Right. And what you could do is it depends. Now, here we go. Situations. If that flue is going straight up. Mm-hmm. Then you could literally unscrew it or unturn it and, and put that put and lift it up just a teeny tiny bit mm-hmm. and put that flue on and then slide it all the way up to the ceiling. Right. What you have to be careful of, and I see this all the time, when people like if they re roof in a house and that flue hasn't been strapped in, like I always know if there's a new roof on the house when they I all, go up in the attic and all the flues yep. are detached. Ah. So if you've got a bend in that thing then you got to be extra special careful to make sure because if you detach a flue, and I'll, I'll never forget this. Years ago, I was doing some inspections down off High Street before they did all that work and people mm-hmm. were snapping up those properties. There was a flue that had had detached and it was drafting right at the decking. And that decking was black. Wow. So it, it, was, it was getting ready. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, oh. it was getting ready. Right. So just be careful. But I think you can unscrew it, just like Shane said. You should be able to. Just and don't don't lift it a lot. Just don't lift, lift it a lot. A little bit. Just a little bit. Take yeah. it off that hood. Yep. And then slide it. And slide it in. You, you golden. Right. Okay. Okay. And then so check, your, look- check your joints in the attic to make sure there's not an elbow or something in there, you know, that, okay. and that it didn't come apart. And right. use gloves. Right, yeah, use gloves. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, Henry. Appreciate it. Wow, we took it all the way to the end here. Well, we need to do a two-hour show. I know. I know it. Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show was produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener was Charles Arnold, the intern for Pam Pybus. Pybus. For Pam Pybus. Shane McClendon. I'm Jason Klein. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White, and join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.